1: Today in history, in 1087, William the Conqueror, Duke of Normandy and King of England, dies in Rouen while conducting a war which began when the French king made fun of him for being fat.
0: Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well what the fuck history i am your semi-stuffy boy zachary and i am down with the sickness oh oh.
1: i'm megan and i've discovered that uh not only can i climb mountains in storms but i can also run away from them in the middle of the night in a rental car
2: and i'm matt Today I learned that three astronauts are the reason why current-day astronauts are given breaks after doing their special astronaut tasks. Hmm.
0: Like, the G-Force thing? Like, but I'm confused. Who are these three astronauts and why?
2: Okay, so in 1973, three astronauts, Gerald P. Carr, Edward G. Gibson, and William R. Pogue, started a strike in space because uh, (laughs) while they were up in space, their entire day had been scheduled for them by NASA and they were given absolutely no time to rest between tasks, so they told Mission Control to fix it and then they stopped talking to them for a day. (laughs) That's so funny. I'm
0: imagining guys in spacesuits hovering around in the spacecraft with picket signs. We're not
2: gonna work. (laughs) No, so essentially um, the quote that I have here and I don't know who said it, but it was one of the three said we would never work 16 hours a day for 84 straight days on the ground and we should not be expected to do it here in space and that was the last (laughs) that was the last thing they said before they cut their radios off technically are there
1: labor laws in space? no but
2: this is the first time that they were established because these three gentlemen went on a strike
0: there are labor laws now
2: yep so, I really like, um, the, my
1: favorite thing about the capitalist system, really, is that we will establish rules, right, where we're like, hey, rich fuckers, like, you can't work people to death. And they're like, oh, okay, but, like, what if I go to a new yeah, place but what if where I those go to laws space? aren't enacted? <laughs> yeah, but, like, oh, what if I go to this new country where they don't have these laws? Can I do it then? And they're like, oh, well, you probably shouldn't. They're like, okay, well, space is truly the final or frontier. what if we go um,
2: to space?
0: Here's the problem we can't have capitalist regime in space because Tim Curry has already stated, I'm going to the one place that isn't ruined by capitalism. Space! Space!
2: space. <laughs> and he does it oh, all man. with a terrible Russian accent. You know, to be fair,
1: though, uh, capitalism really is infringing on the final frontier. Um, thanks, Jeffrey Bazer. Jeffrey Bezos! You're... You're
2: ruining it. All right, you cool cats and kittens. A game of rock, paper, scissors has been played, and the order for tonight is Zach, followed by me, your boy, and Megan is bringing up the caboose. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: I'm in the rear, baby. (laughs)
0: But before we get into any more of our, uh, silly shenanigans and goofs, sh- uh, any more of our silly shenanigans or goofs, we would like to mention and, uh, thank our sponsor for today's episode, which is Death Roll Apparel. Death Roll Apparel is a Florida-bred, satanic, unapologetic, in-your-face clothing company that takes a stand against racism and religion, but also parties with the best of them. Also, doing, uh... The non-lords work, considering everything going on in Texas, so keep on being Satanists, everybody.
2: Let's be honest. If the Satanists end up winning that lawsuit in Texas... Which they shouldn't. I will flip my shit. I will be elated! And they... (laughs) You're right, they should. They should
0: They should. Um, But anyway... Uh, let's get into the fun bit of this podcast, which is us the being meat. idiots. The, the meat and potatoes. The meat and potatoes. So, this week, as per my usual fashion, I am going to be talking about yet another mad lad. But also in <laughs> Matt's fashion, I'm stealing this story out of World War II. What?
2: How dare you? That's <laughs> my wheelhouse, I... Zach. I know. Get um, out of all it. All these stories are supposed to go through me first.
0: <laughs> and I'm dipping my sexy little toe into your waters. Ooh, girl. <laughs>
2: All Ooh, right, girl, I'll girl. allow it this time, but only because I have a foot finish.
0: Okay, just this one time. Just this once.
1: Maybe maybe twice, depending maybe twice. on the <laughs>
0: yeah. We have already covered Mad Jack Churchill on this podcast, who was the, the maddest of lads. The maddest of from, lads. Um, the maddest of lads when it came to Englishmen. But uh, we're now going to head over to another UK uh, area because we're going to talk about his Scottish counterpart, Tommy McPherson, who already has fear in his name. So I think we're off to a great start here. You know? Yeah.
2: (laughs) I wish I had fear in my name. (laughs) My name is fear. Look, here's the thing, Megan. It's 2021. You're allowed to do whatever you want with your name.
1: Yeah, you're right.
2: They call me Fear Johnson. (laughs)
0: They
1: (laughs) call me Fear Johnson. Uh, <laughs> that just sounds that sounds like a scary sex toy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Introducing the fear Johnson. Oh no, we've created a monster. <laughs> it's like bad dragon, but worse. Wait, wait. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so Tommy was born in Edinburgh in the young as the youngest of seven in 1920. Full name Ronald Thomas Stuart McPherson. Not only was he already battle-worthy as a child, having joined the Officers' Training Corps at the age of 14 at Fettes College, but he was also awarded first-class degree in philosophy, politics, and economics from Trinity College. Yes, that Trinity College that would later be attended by Oscar Wilde. Oh, damn. We tie everything together
2: with a neat little bow. I lied. It's a messy fucking bow. (laughs) It's messy.
0: as fuck! But we're not here to talk about his childhood accolades. No, we're here to talk about his involvement in the second of the world world. world... I'm going to try that again.
2: <laughs> as long as you keep the part where you're babbling in, because it's endlessly amusing to me. Yes, right. I will. Uh, but yes,
0: his involvement in the second of the world wars. Two world, two war. Um, so... If you didn't get that, that was a Fast and Furious No, joke. I mean I got it. I, wasn't got it. I just outline. wasn't going to ignore it. <laughs> That's fair. He's
1: like honestly, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna keep going with this. Don't Thank
0: mind you. the explicit tag. This podcast is for family. <laughs> <laughs> <Get> <laughs> for familia. Get out. <laughs> so McPherson was commissioned in the Queen's Own Cameron Highlander Territorial Army in 1939 before serving in the number 11 commandos in through 1940 to 1941. This included his tenure in the World War Two, World War II. Um, and he had many daring exploits, one of which included uh, a folding kayak and a daring escape from an internment camp by posing as an Italian officer. But that's not the story I'm going to cover today. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you about what happened, or rather, what began on the 8th of June in 1944. So, this is after his stint with the number 11 commandos. Um, Tommy was set to parachute into Aurich to meet with a French resistance leader uh, by the name of Bernard Corinne. I think my French is shit, so don't come at me French or. Do. I had
1: to um, in the Today in History. I had to pronounce that French town, and I was like, uh, "I will look up Google pronunciation."
0: I'm not even and... going to give the dignity to look up the Google pronunciation. Fight! Me. Oh
1: no, that's that's <laughs> fine. I I think it's a it's a nice. Uh, healthy fuck you to the French. Yeah,
0: I am a bold and brash American citizen and I don't need to look up anything.
1: Yeah, really lean into that. You know, historically, the people of the world have loved bold and brash Americans. Let's be honest.
2: Historically, we've been very rude to the French on this podcast. (laughs) That is also true. Also true. Uh, Um, But
0: anyway... So, he parachutes into Auric to meet with a French Resistance leader, um, and under his parachute onesie, uh, as I am lovingly calling it, do you know what this dude was rocking? Uh,
1: Speedo. A six-pack.
0: A six-pack? A, a, definitely a <laughs> six-pack. Definitely a six-pack, but not a Speedo. Uh, but instead, a six-pack covered by full Cameron Highlander battle dress, including a tartan kilt.
2: Yes, boy!
0: So this Scottish fuck rolls into this resistance camp. And he was quoted after the war saying that when he came in, just as I arrived, I heard an excited young Frenchman saying to his boss, chief, chief, there's a French officer and he's brought his wife. They're mistaking me for a woman wearing a skirt was an easy error to make. He later explained as a British officer parachuted into a resistance situation. Your only authority was your own personality which I had tried to reinforce with my kilt and a degree of flamboyancy. This man is my hero.
2: Absolutely. I wouldn't be dro- caught dead in my kilt. Um,
0: I want a kilt for this reason and this reason alone now.
2: So that you can para- <laughs> paratroop into somewhere?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, you're not supposed to wear a kilt with underwear, and the kilt's just going to be my parachute. <laughs> I'm going to marry Poppins that shit. Anyway, uh, McPherson decides that the best way to motivate this group of ragtag French resistance fighters is to just, you know, go real fucking hard, real fucking quick. And so he takes a couple of guys and um he blows up a bridge. Yes. Yep. He just blows it up. Just goes and sets some detonation charges and blows up this bridge between Oruk and Mars, which is... A big supply line for the Germans. Allow
2: me to uh, introduce myself.
0: (laughs) Right? So he blows up this bridge and then sets upon a series of ambushes, mainly which start directly hitting the 2nd SS Panzer Division, because the 2nd SS Panzer Division is making its way to the beaches of Normandy before that happens.
2: More like the pansy division, am I right? Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Got him. But, yeah, so he basically was like, oh, there's a whole armored tank division that's about to head over there, and we have troops about to hit the ground. Yeah, let's go fuck them up. (laughs) So he keeps up. Fuck them up. Fuck them up. Fuck them up. He keeps up these guerrilla tactics, hitting roads and rail routes, eventually completely stopping railway traffic between Cahors and Soule. So, he's basically stopped the Germans from getting a whole bunch of supplies and a whole bunch of troops and a whole bunch of everything else. Which kind of pisses off the Germans.
2: I wonder why.
0: I wonder why, yeah. So, him and the French resistance keep this up until like way past Operation Dragoon, which is if those of you who don't know your World War II history, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, Zach, I mean, the
2: podcast's not called What the Fuck World War II History.
1: I mean, but, like, that should be its, uh, sub-tagline. Yeah, that should no, be its it sub-tagline. Really be.
0: Then let me rephrase my statement. If you don't know your World War II history, why haven't you had a conversation
1: with your father? <laughs> Oh, that's, no, that's even better. <laughs> or, so you know, accurate. reach out to us, reach out to us, and by us, I mean specifically Matt. I'll have
0: a conversation world. with your dad. <laughs> oh, I,
2: yeah, he'll, see, I he'll have a conversation with your no, dad. I was going the other I'll way. Be I will like, can be your dad. I'll be your dad. I'll tell you all about World War, no, I'll tell you all about World War 2 I'll sit you down on my knee, we can talk about the first thing that pops up. Okay, and on
0: that note. Operation Dragoon is when the British was going to push back against the Germans and try to retake a whole bunch of France. Um, And anyway, my brain just died for a minute. It's back now. I turned it off and turned it on again because there was a blue screen. Um, But anyway, so these French resistance fighters and McPherson just end up getting progressively more and more rowdy after operation dragoon and just are like all right let's just kill a bunch of nazis and glorious bastards probably a little bit of inspiration so mcpherson operated out of caves and woodland areas with his radio operator and under the mantle of agent quietine he achieved an operation of some kind of and like mass chaos every day he would just tour the countryside afterwards in a black car with the Union flag pennant on one side and the French flag on the other, simply not giving a fuck. just would be like, I killed a bunch of Nazis and now I'm taking a drive. What a hero. And this practice was so infuriating to the Nazis that they ended up placing a 300,000-franc bounty on his head, which if my math is right, is close to $40,191,306.18 in U.S. dollars today. It sounds like your math is correct
2: because you did it beforehand, which we did around here.
0: However, the math is a little weird and a little difficult because the French franc does not exist anymore, so Mm, mm, it could be awful. The
2: conversion rate is also strange. It is.
0: Um, but anyway, so the Nazis end up describing him as "quote a bandit masquerading as a Scottish officer and extremely dangerous to the citizens of France." Unquote. Those all those all sound Accurate. like compliments. Accurate, uh, except he was not masquerading as a Scottish officer. No, he was definitely he was. a
2: Scottish officer.
0: Definitely was.
1: Um... <laughs> those all sound like. Accurate. They sound like
2: compliments, especially when they're coming from Nazis in Germany. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, like when yeah.
1: Nazis call you a danger, you can you're, say, "Well, thank you. It's what I've always wanted to be."
2: You're doing it right. If the
0: Nazis think you're a danger, yeah, that still applies today. By the way, still applies. Yeah, today. Um, but yes, uh, under that kilt was a big set of large brass balls, and he ends up gaining so much infamy. And so much notoriety that the Nazis give him a nickname.
2: Um, alright. Are
0: we gonna guess?
2: Oh, you can guess. Feel free. Okay. Uh, Skirts McGillicuddy. Wow. (laughs) No, but that's good.
1: uh, Was it the danger, but in German?
0: No, that would also be good.
1: Danger zone? Hold
2: on. Can I? That's what he called his penis. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Die Gaffar.
2: No. How do you? No. No, that wasn't Steve's what it was. also gonna yell at you for that. Shout out to Steve. I'm Garten. sorry. He's our resident German expert. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've sorry, never Steven.
1: taken German.
0: But uh, no, they end up referring to him as the Kilted Killer.
1: Damn. Oh, that's
0: even son, better. That's a They're great so nickname.
2: good. Pretty. That's fucking a really good. good. Yeah. That's a properly good nickname.
0: Proper good nickname. um It also sounds really good if you put on a really thick Scottish accent. The fucking kilted killer.
2: Yeah. No. Great. I'm hard yeah. just from that. Me too. I constantly. Mean, you know,
1: when you say it in a Scottish accent, it also sounds like he's a serial killer. Yeah, a,
2: little, a
0: little bit. I mean, he, he was a serial killer. His target was Nazis.
1: No, when when you're a serial killer and your targets are Nazis, you're, you're just, just
2: doing the world
1: savior. a favor. Yeah, you're just doing the Lord's
2: work. The Lord's work. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh,
0: on one occasion, after he gets this nickname, uh, a German staff car was approaching a level crossing—a uh, level crossing of McPherson's booby trap—and uh, the barrier arm crashed down so hard on the vehicle it decapitated the local commandant and the driver at the same
2: time. Amazing! Wow.
0: <laughs> And lastly as a final exploit of him being ridiculous uh he rolled so fucking good on a persuasion check one time that he was able Stop to it. bluff a German officer into surrender while still in full Highlander uniform including the bonnet by the way well
1: that that just gave him advantage yeah, definitely for sure.
0: but he sent that in a meeting where he was by the way completely unarmed and completely like out of place. And he was the only one there. He's like, oh, yeah, um, I'm going to unleash heavy artillery and call down on the RAF if you guys don't surrender. Um, So, yeah, either you surrender or I blow you to high hell. There was no heavy artillery in sight, by the way. And he has this meeting inside of a schoolhouse.
2: Definitely not a persuasion check. That was an intimidation check. Okay. Well, also, the most... The most scary, uh, heavy
1: artillery is the, the ones you can't see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: But yeah, so this guy just did not give a fuck, was really good at killing them Nazis, and was named the Kilted Killer. I mean, he didn't bring a broadsword into battle, but he sure as shit brought, I, I could see him playing bagpipes as he was just decapitating Nazis via booby trap. Oh, yeah.
1: No, that's that's really good. Like, I wish the Kilted Killer was alive today. He would have more targets.
2: He would <laughs> certainly, and he wouldn't even um, have to go too far. Just a uh, hop, skip, and jump across the ponds to ye old America.
1: Yeah, I mean, oh, honestly, boy. he would just have to take a plane, and once he got over that that uh, commercial airline,
0: ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, he
1: man. would he'd be home free. He'd he be killing people left and right
0: yeah tommy mcpherson i can't remember when he died it wasn't like too recently but it was like he it was alive for quite a while yeah he died in 2014 wow shit what so, oh yeah he was born in 1920 and died in 2014 seven years um,
1: ago oh my god Ripped to a legend, a long-lived
2: legend.
0: He made it to the rank of Colonel, and he was apparently knighted because he is Sir Ronald Thomas Stuart McPherson.
2: Yeah, good. I just want to say, he's got a pretty cool name, but, like, the whole thing is where it falls off for me a bit. Like, you say that whole name. The whole name there? And it's just like, oh, shit. He's got weight. That's a mouthful. We're just yeah. Okay,
0: fine. Colonel the kilted killer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thank Colonel you. Colonel Killer, Sir, sir the kilt. <laughs> sir, sir the kilted sir killer. killer. Sir the killer. Sir
2: kilted killer. All right.
1: I think it's it's funnier with the article.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> sir. Sir the kilted killer. Yeah, it's that uh, is pretty funny. Please,
1: the kilted killer was my fault. It's, uh, it's reminiscent
2: of um. The Facebook,
1: yeah. All right, get rid of the the.
2: It yeah. makes it clean. It makes it cleaner. Thanks. But yeah, thanks that's my Justin story, Kimberly. and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's technically not your stories; it's the Kilted Killers. But I feel you. Well,
1: I mean, it's it's technically not any of your stories. It's None of our stories. It's world World War Two is his wheel ta- yeah, wheelhouse. Yeah, it's mine.
2: Next time you want to step in my territory, we're gonna have a knife fight. Okay, and I will bring I mean... artillery to it. or will i
0: (laughs) or
1: will i you you will not be able
0: to see it then i revise my statement that is the story That is, and i'm sticking to it all right
2: fair enough um okay gang for my story i'm gonna take you guys to the not so distant year of 2005 um but instead of staying on earth we're going to venture to the planet of azeroth which some of our listeners might know from the video game World of Warcraft, or indeed Warcraft as a whole.
0: See, I hear that, and my brain automatically goes to Teen Titans, yeah, I Ezra, know. Metreon, Oh, Zintas. yeah! Me too.
2: Um,
0: which, but, I, I mean, if Hex Girls was not your thing,
2: yeah, Raven you're not going to
0: tell me as was. a child that Raven wasn't? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that
1: Raven wasn't, thank you. Or Starfire, they were both
0: pretty good. Cool. No, I mean, um, have you heard about our new savior, goth girls and fishnets oh oh, no. yeah. oh
1: yeah i'm sorry yeah. Uh, we we are also endorsing um along with uh death roll apparel um goth girls in fishnets yeah. that's okay. our other sponsor. i'm
0: sorry this is this is this is what you have to do dear listener get yourself a death roll apparel t-shirt cut it into a crop top wear fishnets end of story
2: there you go
1: yeah Beginning and end of uh, the bar we set that uh, we will endorse you with. Yeah. Thank you.
2: Yeah. We'll sponsor you if uh, you wear a crop top in fishnets. We're looking at you, Justin. On September 13th in the aforementioned year of 2005, Blizzard Entertainment introduced a new raid boss called Hakkar the Soul Flayer in a raid called Zulgarub, which doesn't matter, but it's important to me that people know that we do our research. Anyways. (laughs) Anyways. <laughs> we have the interns do the research. Huh? We have the interns do the research. Yeah, usually, but Kevin was away on vacation. I don't know how he could afford it. He's just an unpaid intern. Um, so this was a 20... <laughs> <laughs> this is a 20-man raid, which uh, meant that 20 players were needed uh, for the completion of this uh, section of the video game. And if things had gone according to plan, this installation would not be noteworthy, except... Something didn't go according to plan. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Please add all of the sound effects. So, Hakkar the Soul Flayer casts what's known in the video game world as a debuff on players, which is basically a negative status effect that needs to be healed through to keep people up during the fight. And... Uh, While I was doing my research, the debuff that he casts is only supposed to last for 10 seconds, uh, but it spreads to others if they get too close. The debuff was called Corrupted Blood, and like all other game mechanics, it wasn't meant to spread outside of the zone that it was in, but somehow, due to an error in code, it did. And the way that it spread was through pets oh no (laughs) so essentially there's a class in the game called the hunter which is allowed to summon trained animals that they get as they level up and they're allowed to assist in battle and what would often happen is that people would take their pet out while they were engaging in this raid they would win the fight against the boss their pet would then disappear but when they resummoned the pet in the overworld, it would have the debuff and would spread to the player, which would then spread to surrounding players if they were close enough or in a major city.
1: So, did they, did they know, like, if they took their pet out in the overworld, if um, it would spread to them?
2: So, in essence, the way that it worked, I guess, is that, first of all, yes when they pulled the pet out it would spread to them as the player and then from Mm -hmm. them it would spread to whoever they were closest to okay they didn't know this right off the bat like obviously they like nobody went into the raid with the intention of like coming out with this corrupted blood debuff and bringing it to everyone else but it very quickly became a problem okay so as i said the hunter class would summon these animals they'd come out They'd pull these animals out in combat somewhere else or in a major city just to, like, show them off. And this debuff would travel to uh, everyone else. What's really notable here is the fact that this debuff is spreadable. And Mm -hmm. it did. Like the plague. Yeah, Um, Like a plague. (laughs) No, definitely like a plague.
1: Much... Like a very familiar... Yeah,
2: much like a very familiar <laughs> plague. The bubonic one, in fact. Yeah,
1: the only <laughs> plague we have ever
2: experienced <laughs> on God's Green Essentially, uh, the in-game pets acted like real-world plague rats, and they carried this disease, unbe- sometimes unbeknownst to the people who, you know, used these uh, animals in combat, and so within hours of the glitch first appearing in the game the major cities uh were completely wiped out and it's been a long time since i've played world of warcraft but if i remember correctly when you die there's just like a a series of bones that crop up where your body was laid so in essence
1: oh, very realistic
2: yeah in essence these cities just became like bone yards mm, bone temple yeah the bone temple blood for the blood god <laughs> so the you know dwarven city of ironforge um and that's really the only city that i remember oh i think there was like a stormwind or something like that but that sounds like a superhero so maybe i'm wrong
0: no i think stormwind, stormwind. is one
2: so anyways the major cities become these death trap areas Uh, because not only was the debuff transmissible between players, but it was also transmissible to NPCs, so like merchants and things like that, who, who by their very nature cannot die. And so players would walk into these cities, they would spread the buff, the buff would, or the debuff, it would hit an NPC who would then carry that debuff long enough for someone else to interact with this NPC and get killed by it. And this was really mostly affecting lower-level players um, who weren't able to heal through the debuff, but you would also re-catch it. It was 100% transmissible, so (laughs) there was no chance that if you were standing in a crowd of people, you wouldn't get it. Mm, Fantasy herpes. Fantasy herpes. The gift that keeps on giving.
1: I've never played Warcraft, Uh, so can you, like, if they got it, was there a way to heal?
2: Yeah, so there are healing classes in uh, the game, but essentially it spread at such a rate that no one would have been able to heal through it. So, like, the higher-level characters, the higher-level players were able to keep themselves alive through it, or they had enough health yeah. to where the debuff didn't really matter. But, like, what what it was really affecting were the lower-level characters that would then zone in, die immediately to a debuff they knew nothing about, and then as they ran back to their bodies, they would get the buff again and die. <laughs> Okay. Live, die, repeat. Yeah, live, die, repeat. They were Tom Cruise. <laughs> so they essentially, like, within hours, there was an immediate shift in how people were playing the game. Um, and the shift in how people were playing the game was noticed by a Dr. Nina Pfefferman, who was not only a player of World of Warcraft, but was also an epidemiologist. Okay. I love it when nerds are even bigger. I love it when nerds are even bigger nerds. Um, So she and a colleague, Dr. Eric Lofgren, studied the evolving effects of this virtual plague and the human response to it. Okay, but so like
1: they they must have noticed this pretty pretty soon. No, oh, yeah, no, after it was within hours. It started. It was within hours. But can you imagine the phone call she made to her friend? She's like,
2: Dude, "Bro, something's crazy is going on in World Something's of going right down. Now. Grab grab your notebook. Grab your notebook. Let's get a, let's do tests. We're, you ever yeah, want to study them, a like, plague hands on? Yeah. Well, I
0: got a virtual one for you. Yeah. I
1: got a virtual one for you and it's very realistic. Yeah. Look at the graphics. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> so she uh, and uh, Lofgren study the effects of this virtual plague and in essence they get to study the human response to it. And so some of you might be wondering why I'm bringing this up in a podcast that largely has to do with real history, like things that happened
0: by telling me video games aren't real
2: yeah yeah pretty much you're
1: wow. actually that, that
2: changes
0: so right much now. about my life yes
2: and
1: honestly i'm devastated
2: i'm also devastated because i spend a lot of my time in video games but this event was used to develop predictive models for human behavior throughout pandemics and uh, most recently was looked at to discuss the human behavior response through the COVID nineteen pandemic. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, this got real. Yeah, real, yeah. real fucking Be- good. Yeah. Well, thanks, World of Warcraft. Thanks, World of Warcraft. But the issue and the point of contention that had been made throughout. So, Pfefferman and Lofgren make a uh, paper, and I did not bother reading the entire thing because nobody on this listening to this gives a shit about their findings but most of the scientific community as well as the human community uh, I say human as if scientists are some different race most of the scientific community and the normal community mention that some of the situations with regards to this virtual plague are not Super well to a real life scenario, simply because you're playing in a virtual space, and none of your none of your movements there really have the same consequences. And in particular, they pointed out uh, a tendency for some players to get this debuff on purpose and spread it on purpose in a a concept in the gaming world that's known as griefing. Like we've heard of this in other capacities too, yeah. where you just pick up mm. pick on like lobby characters and stuff like that. Internet bullying. Yeah. I understand. Internet the concept. bullying. <laughs> Dr. Lofgren has uh, defended their work saying that in recent times where uh, a pandemic is spreading, the people that are downplaying the severity of the virus or are spreading misinformation, they're much like real-world griefers who are just doing their best to, to stop shit from getting better. But the crazy... So, the crazy thing about this is that, yes, it was very much a virtual plague, and it's a fucking wacky situation, but humans, legitimately, there's a way of communicating in the game where you can talk to, like, the whole realm at once or the whole zone that you're in and it's called world chat and people would legitimately like talk in the world chat to let people know when cities had completely fallen uh to this plague they were like monitoring in real time like which areas were being mostly affected uh as i mentioned already most of the high level characters just quarantined themselves to stay off (laughs) radar and stay alive um so it was really like a community coming together to try and stop the spread of this virus
1: well i think you can draw other parallels too because uh you have you know lower level characters who don't have as many resources or like access to like the healing right and they just end up being wiped out but they kind of don't have any other recourse if they want to keep playing the game yeah. uh, except to like keep respawning and keep dying. Or to just stop and then you playing
2: have, altogether, which is kind of what. Or they stop did. playing
1: altogether, yeah. which is, you know, parallel to like, I am a poor or lower like economic level person, right? right? And then you have, you know, the Jeffrey Bezoses of. <laughs> of World of Warcraft, I can just, being go, like, to I'll just, I'll just go to space
2: and quarantine. I'll just go to
1: space and quarantine. You know, where people aren't in space, um I'll just be there in my penis rocket yeah. or whatever <laughs> the World of Warcraft equivalent of that is. Right, exactly, probably a
0: penis tower. <laughs> probably a penis. Probably a penis. A penis tower. A
1: penis tower. But yeah, yeah, no, that
0: that's interesting as a way to see it. Where like again, like you have the parallels between your. Uh, you know, your griefers in game who are spreading this on purpose and the people who spread information about uh, a virus yeah. and the... Or just don't take it, has, it
2: seriously.
0: Or just don't take it seriously. Or the people who are in certain classes or, or certain like walks of life who have a harder time with it as compared to like, your lower-level characters. So it's interesting to see that parallel. I mean, it's also interesting to see how World of Warcraft went from fantasy to Victorian England in about two hours.
2: (laughs) Uh,
1: A contingency they never planned for. A contingency they
2: never planned for. But, like, yeah, and I think it's interesting that... And in some ways, Blizzard is still in Victorian England, but that's too real-time, so...
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know... Uh, we can only we can only tackle one historical story per <laughs> person
0: for a night. But um, yeah, no, like I I find that so interesting that like in a, even in a virtual space, human beings will be human beings. Yeah, like, right, we exactly. might be trying to live out our our wildest fantasies as a a, a fucking dwarf of the iron forge, but we're still just some idiot behind a computer some
2: idiot behind a computer that's looking out for their fellow man in most cases which
0: i also think is really good i think i think it's heartwarming that a lot of these people were looking out for each other being like all right don't go here don't it's go a bad here. area it's right a right madhouse
2: yeah um so, the unfortunate yeah. part of this uh, situation i guess it's not really unfortunate mostly i just wish that we could do this um, which is the only leading thing that's making me think that the world isn't a simulation, unless, like, it's a long-form simulation. They ended up having to revert to old code so that they could fix the problem. They ended up not being able to patch it out. They had to, like, revert code oh, and damn. go back to an old patch to make everything better.
1: Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that, because, like, if you... If you take that a step further, right, and you graph that onto reality, I think you are seeing people being like, oh, we need to, like, go back to, uh, like, back in my days. Back in my right? day. <laughs> yeah, like, I was watching a video the other night, and it was about this woman who was just like, oh, I have started living my life based on a 1960s publication called the fantastic woman. And it's about how to like be a good housewife and how to be subservient. And I see like what's happening in Texas uh, with the virtual, like overturning of Roe versus Wade. And I'm like, this is not the old code that I would like to go back to. Let's not
2: take this many steps backwards.
1: Yeah. So I do think that there are versions of like the real, uh, old code that would be nice to go back to. Like the part but, like, where Americans this...
2: cared about each other enough to wear a fucking mask, maybe.
1: But, like, did was that even ever a thing? And I know this is getting into, like, very real talk and, like, less funny, but it kind of seems like uh, Americans are short-term very uh, empathetic and sympathetic to other people's plights. Like, we are so good at emergency situations at being the hero but when it comes to long-term empathy and sympathy we are like f f minus like we don't even we do not even to answer that.
0: your answer your question megan at one point yeah we did give enough of a crap it was i believe 1792
1: okay good. when yep. wait
0: wait for it when the uh, uh i can't remember the exact name of it i think it was the uh it was like the the. It wasn't the Quarantine Act, or it was it was. I maybe it was the Quarantine Act, but it was something of like the Pandemic Act or something like that. I can't remember the exact name of it. But basically, in this act in 1792, it states that anyone who is sick during a pandemic during a quote unquote time of emergency and pandemic must wear. A face covering and not leave their home and if they do they should be burnt alive and not given a proper burial.
2: Damn. Man. Okay I want to go back to that old Yo, code. Yeah let's do that um but anyways. Some founding fathers bullshit. Anyways, anyways <laughs> that's my story with regards to uh how an old school virtual plague applies to real life actual plagues
1: ah. No that was good That's really interesting, though.
0: Oh. So would you say that story is, like me, down with the sickness? Maybe. I would say that.
2: But it's also funny because uh, Blizzard intentionally made a... They did it for some promotional event or something where they infected people and made them zombies. And there was only like a 70% chance that you would get this infection or something. And then they... Obviously patched it out when the event was done, but most people were like, this was fucking stupid. So that's that's fun. Blizzard thought like, hey, let's capitalize on, you know, this mistake we made. <laughs> Let, let's do it. We
0: fucked up. Let's acknowledge it by making fun of it.
1: Let's acknowledge it by making money. Let's
2: make money.
0: <laughs> money!
2: money. money. That sweet, sweet green, baby. That sweet green. Okay, Megan, regale me. All right,
1: so my story is not that serious, um, but I think it might be a good departure from uh, what we just heard. The world of Warcraft. Uh, Okay, so I guess it's a little bit similar if we wanted a segue in that I think that a lot of times people think that human behavior is wildly different now than it was back in, like, the good old days. Um, quote, unquote. But then, quote, unquote, the good old days. Uh, but then, like, you find stories in history that, like, really prove that wrong. So, for example, we've been making stories about how animals go viral for a while, surprisingly. Um okay. And a good, yeah, so... Uh, a good example of this is uh, Huberta the hippo.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, S-
1: South Africa's most famous hippo.
2: Okay. And, okay. Um,
1: <laughs> I'm not really sure that like, she had much competition, considering hippos are pretty violent.
0: Uh, <laughs> I don't know, Megan. There's a lot of fucking
2: hippos. Also considering how many <laughs> other hippos are well-known. <laughs> I mean that's like but she did enough to point. get a name for herself like she didn't have she much competition name. also
0: i don't know megan joe rogan's pretty fucking violent but um, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you don't have to act me this
0: hard guys <laughs> no i'm just throwing shade at everyone else and everything please I, continue i know zach like <laughs> so many hard have... takes tonight i'm fucking
1: spicy there's so many people dying of your sick burns that I you're was say, out tonight. I, don't,
0: I got a list here of people I'm just trying to shit on.
1: I know, he's like checking them off as we're going through these stories. Okay, but so back to Huberta. Uh, the story goes that in November of 1928, Huberta left her watering hole in the St. Lucia estuary in Zululand. And over the next three years... She traveled over a thousand miles to the eastern cape
0: okay that's a big walk
1: and yeah it's a big walk especially for a big gal and in that time she became a star in south africa attracting crowds wherever she went because the press was actively tracking her movements Which in 1928 is a lot harder than today, right? Where you can just chip the hippo. So I just imagine like these guys dressed up in safari gear and cameras being like, where's the hippo going
2: today, guys? We gotta keep track of it. I love the idea of hippo groupies. Yes. Yeah, hippo groupies. What you're telling
0: me is nineteen twenties weren't that exciting, even though they were quote unquote the roaring twenties, because we had people pole sitting and tracking hippos. Wow guys. No, yeah, you had a lot of fucking I, lot of fun. Yeah, but they were
2: somewhere Listen, else in the world. They weren't they weren't tracking these, along this, America. Yeah, along so this America. was actively
1: <laughs> this is actively in South Africa. And when people so people tried to capture her as well, but she evaded them. Like, with nets? Yeah, she- they tried to capture this hippo. How? Oh, they, they were, like- How?
2: Um, with nets? How, wait, uh, no, how, like, how did she evade? she do a barrel Well, roll? she-
1: yeah, she just, like, was fast, I guess. She was wily.
2: Jesus Christ. She's a wily- She's a wily hippo. the question. I'm gonna do a little bit of research. Keep- keep and, reporting. Yeah. Okay. Hippos so, can well, run we can thirty, 30 miles, miles an hour on land. That's
1: what I'm Listen, up. guys, guys, you can check the stat block on hippos. Yeah.
2: <laughs> your own we That's what we were doing. Thirty miles an hour.
1: Yeah, thirty miles an hour. That's how she evaded. She's faster than a 1928 car. Got
2: to go fast. Yeah, Got to go fast.
1: All right. While they were cranking cranking her up, uh, Huberta was trucking it.
0: (laughs) Huberta was just like, quick, let me turn into Sanic.
1: Yeah. And so, as she was evading them, she, like, visited beaches, country (laughs) clubs, and a theater. This girl just lived her best life. I know, she was out in the town, dude. And on her journey, people were really into this, so they, like, fed her fruit, and sugar cane to keep her going and in 1931 she was declared royal game which gave her protection from being harmed she
2: should have had royal oh. game from the first time she was ever evading nets
1: <laughs> the first time she ever hit a smooth 30 miles an hour and started cruising. she's like i am
2: cruising at 30 <laughs> miles per hour Y'all can't get me now. I am faster than a tank. The first time those
0: wheels pin-legged like motherfucking Scooby-Doo, she
2: should have been (laughs) off limits. They're like, we need to study her. Y'all missed her her with one net so far? Yeah, she good. Leave her. Leave her. (laughs)
1: Leave her. Leave her. She's protected. But then there was a public uproar at this turn of events because... um, She was shot by farmers a month later. What?
0: No. I know. Off limits means off limits, you hick fucks.
1: I know. She was shot and she died.
0: No! No!
1: Then the public was so upset that these farmers were arrested.
0: Please tell me they were hung for treason. Megan, it's almost 90 years later and I'm upset.
1: I know, dude. I know. She was given protected status, and these farmers are like, but it's a hippo.
2: And we're going to shoot kill it.
1: it. And so, they were arrested, and they were fined 25 pounds.
2: That's it? That's it?
1: Well, I don't know what 25 pounds is in 1931. Not a lot. Oh. Not enough. It's not enough money, but that is how much they were fined.
2: That's ridiculous.
1: And, but... Huberta's body was sent to a taxidermist in London, and then she was returned to South Africa in 1932, where she was greeted by 20,000 people. Goddamn right! In, like this, this beautiful like memorial, and she was put on display at the um at at like their national museum. And that's and that's that's Huberta the hippo. I'm sorry.
0: I'm sorry, Doctor Jones, but she does not belong in a museum. Okie dokie,
1: Doctor Jones.
0: <laughs> she belongs out there, roaming the safari.
1: I know, dude. She had so much more journey left in her. I need her. to show
2: you guys this GIF that I found of a hippo like coming out of the water. First of all, terrifying. They're scary. Terrifying.
1: Yeah, like
2: it's making us so awake.
1: I know. So I and, oh my god. They're scary.
2: They're- they're scary animals. They're like
1: crocodile whales. Yeah, they're croc whales. <laughs> they're croc whales. That's trademarked everywhere. Um,
0: also, <laughs> Megan. Yeah. Uh, about two thousand three hundred and ten dollars in today's U.S. dollars.
2: That's not yeah, that's enough not dollars. Not enough, money. not enough
0: dollars.
2: It's not enough she dollars. It was worth way more dollars than that.
0: She was worth her three-ton girth in gold.
1: I'm not on the side of the farmers, but like she looked like every other hippo. Hey, I wanna tell you is... I
2: wanna tell you a secret. Anything that yeah. comes before the butt makes everything you said it's, it's irrelevant. So now you're saying I that know. you're on the side of the farmers.
1: No, no, I'm not I'm not on the side of the farmers, but if Huberta was trucking at me at third.
2: That's so... yeah, okay, Here's I see what thing. you're saying. If she's a hungry, I... hungry hippo, and she's trucking at me, I'm getting out of the way. I'm glad someone
0: made the hungry, hungry hippo pun. I'm letting, <laughs> I'm
2: letting that royal beast be a royal beast. That royal game. That sanction, she that just, court she sanction. Just gets to live out her days.
0: I was gonna say, Megan, you're not you're not siding with the farmers. Like, also, no shit, no one siding with Voldemort either. Like, fuck off. No, that's yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely not siding with the farmers because it is really unfortunate that they Literally that they shot her. the
2: most evil um, people that exist. Uh,
0: I did have a story that involved Nazis, them dying, but I did involve a story about <laughs> that's Nazis. true.
1: That's true. Yeah. I just really liked that it. For, like, three years, she was a unifying force in South Africa. Like, people were genuinely very excited. I think it's beautiful that she had so
2: many people at her funerary service.
1: I know. And, you know, people were just excited about where she was going. And, like, they left out food for her. And they, like, it was just widely reported on.
0: Absolutely lovely. So what you're telling me is the one thing that can unite this world is some cute animal. It is a fucking Yeah, I mean... Hippo.
1: And that's, like, sort of been true for a really long time. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that um, illuminated manuscript that has, like, the cat paw print on it. And they kept the cat paw print on it.
0: Yeah.
1: Animals have always been the thing. We've been we
0: doing got. cute animal videos since before yeah. videos were a thing.
2: Yeah, for sure. We've just
1: been doing them for a while. And... <laughs> you know i just think that's that's nice um i i was reading this thing a while ago that was like sometimes it's nice to think about humans and like the cute things that we do how we like to you know give each other jewelry because we like to decorate the the people that we really like or we like to make noises at each other because it makes us feel happy And I like that we enjoy cute animals, uh, and that makes us happy, too.
0: Speaking of cute animals, I have a question.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: We domesticated big cats, right? We did.
2: Mm -hmm. No, they domesticated us.
0: We domesticated wolves, right?
2: This is true. Yeah.
0: Why the fuck did no one domesticate a bear? Like, why don't I have a fucking cuddly bear on my bed sleeping next to me every night? we've done a story about
2: someone who did. Oh yeah, we did. Okay,
0: but I'm meaning like why did we ever I domesticate know, yeah. bears to the point as like a normal house pet? Zach
2: like yeah, I'll be well, honest with you, if I came over to your house and got my leg eaten off by a bear, I would be upset.
0: I mean I would I would be upset, or rather you should be upset, but you shouldn't be surprised. That sounds like something I'd do. No, that's fair.
1: <laughs> I think like based based purely on what bears ears look like, we started to. And then we got bored, like, through
0: Damn through you process. early humans!
1: Yeah, we were like, yeah, we got the ears real cute. What about the rest of it? Still got big teeth. We're like, ah, the dog is already here, dude. I saw
2: a post on the internet the other day that was like, you're leading me to believe that bears are the apex predator, but explain this. And it was just four pictures of explain bear ears. It. which i i could not find a fault in that argument but
1: no like i think i saw the same post too and it's like but please
2: explain Explain this this. i um i want to do something that we haven't done in a little bit
0: Mm -hmm. i'd Mm -hmm. like to
2: fire up the ford tacoma and take us in the way back oh to go to the beginning of the episode if you oh oh my
0: Um. Yeah. Quick. Let me. Um. Let me get the keys. Real quick. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I. I left them somewhere. Hold on. Like. Hold on.
2: So this guy started a war because he got called fat.
1: Yeah. That's. Uh. Which. Which is pretty wild. I. Um. Let me. (laughs) Feel like. Can you imagine? starting a whole war war because someone dissed you?
2: Yeah. Okay, what year was this again? Yeah, explain to me. Yeah. Yeah. What war was it? Can we research that? <laughs> uh,
1: well, yeah, so it it was William. You asked who it was, right, Zach? Yeah, what year
2: it what was, year. but yeah.
1: Oh, sorry. Uh, it was 1087.
0: I mean, I feel like there was probably less to do in 1087 than there was in the 1920s, so I guess war it is. Yeah.
1: So, let's see. So, uh, I guess, like, he was always a very large man. Yeah. And he was constantly ridiculed.
2: For his weight?
1: For being, yeah. He was constantly ridiculed for for being a fat man. And people told him, um, it was said he was uh, lying in which meant that he was pregnant like people would would make fun of him for that. So I guess he like in the summer of 1087 he went off to uh, Rouen, France. Yeah. Which to lose weight. Through <laughs> <True. laughs> he like went to fat camp. <laughs> I guess.
2: <laughs> I love that. Imagine being called fat at fat camp and then you're like fuck it, I'm going to war. Yeah, so he, like,
1: he he went there to, like, legitimately lose weight with, like, herbs and medications and, and exercise, and uh, I guess, like, the king called him fat, and while he was there, he was like, you know what? I'm done with this. <laughs> and he just brought troops.
2: Oh, my God. Amazing. Oh, wow. I just,
1: like, I wish... You could still do that.
2: I feel like we can. I feel like we could go to war if people I mean like I'm on a weight loss journey, so I'm really trying like if people call me fat, it's like, yeah, I know, but I'm working on it. The I just if I had been in middle school and someone called me fat, I wish I had known that war was an option.
0: <laughs> <laughs> violence is yeah, always I'm... an option when you wake no, up. No,
2: violence is definitely an option and I've learned that more as I've grown up, but like I think everyone in this group wakes up and chooses violence, but if middle school me had known that I'm allowed to go to war over someone calling me fat, I definitely would have done it. Okay. I would have picked that option first.
0: Fair, but I I think I have something to say about William the Conqueror, and I think we should just end it on this note. Sure. Are you ready? Sure. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because William the Conqueror was so fat, and when he died... He was, like, his internal organs were so badly ruptured that, like, everything kind of just started spewing out into his inner cavity.
2: Oh, Jesus. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. When they put his body in the stone sarcophagus, it was so bloated and fat that they kind of just forced it in. And as the monks were forcing it into the stone sarcophagus, he done popped like a
2: balloon.
1: Oh, my God. Please.
0: And just everything hit people in the crowd.
2: What the fuck, history?
0: If you like what you hear from the Triumvirate Productions and What the Fuck History, we encourage you to tell a friend. We don't pay for any ads, so the best way to get us out there is to talk to other people about us. You can find us on Facebook at the Triumvirate Productions, on Twitter at triumvirate underscore pod, and on Instagram at the underscore triumvirate underscore productions.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.